0: Good morning church, what a blessing to be here, what a great day, we're super excited about. I knew that this was going to be a special day when the Almighty woke me up with a lighting and sound show before daylight and all morning tears of joy because he said, that's my people and we are the people of God, amen, and we are honored and blessed to be at one of my favorite days of the year. Uh, and that is the day we honor our high school seniors. Uh, there's, uh, as I was already mentioned, I think uh, Mike mentioned that not, uh, Nick Dancer from Evergreen, Colorado, and his family are joining us. As far as I know, this Sunday is the first Sunday in WFR history where we honored a graduating senior that was a part of our live stream church around the Fruited Plain. What a blessing, right? That God is doing His work. Yeah, that's worthy. <clears throat> I want to welcome in the Fellowship Center, and uh, just like I said, it's, my, it's one of my favorite Sundays of the year, and I'll tell you a little bit more later uh, on why that is. Uh, today I want to appreciate uh, all of the, uh, the parents, the children's ministry team, both staff and volunteers, our youth ministry, student ministry team, and all the volunteers, all those that have worked. Because what happens is when you see these young people up on the stage, and as they've already said in their own words, we send them out. That doesn't happen without a lot of people pouring Jesus into them. And so I just want to thank all those that have been a part to set up this day. So I want to ask all the elders as well as the seniors to come forward. And uh, while they're doing that, if you guys will fire this video, we're all going to watch this video together. So come on forward.
1: Here we On top of the stars, never thought we'd ever get
0: this far, we live for moments like this, we come alive in moments like this, here we are. I did mention that uh, we also have some uh, of our seniors over in the uh, Fellowship Center and some, some of our elders are over there to be able to lay hands on them. Uh, this is um, an important moment uh, for you guys and uh, because basically we've raised you, most of you, most of your life. Some of you from most pictures the whole time. This church has poured Jesus into you. And so now we want to charge you and challenge you as you go forward in your lives that you take that with you, that you never leave your first love, which is Jesus Christ. So we're super proud of you guys. You know, our eldership, we have four elders that have been youth ministers in their past. We also have two elders that have spent their entire careers uh, working with students. And so one of those is Dennis Davenport. And so he's going to give us a a little challenge and a little bit of a a prayer blessing for our high school seniors today. No, not yet. I hope you're not retired.
1: Uh, Alan, when Alan contacted me about doing this today, um, I thought, how appropriate, a teacher. Um, And I do have notes. I'm not going to ask you to get out your notebooks and pencils and stuff. Please turn off your phones. uh, Um, But exactly like Alan said, we want to not only bless you, we want to give you a charge. And so uh, the things that I'm going to share with you come from your eldership, and they also come from your church family. Um, First of all, from Proverbs 4, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. These three words are extremely important. Guard your heart. With all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. James 1, verse 5 says, Seek God's wisdom, for he gives it generously. And that's an encouragement that uh, we want to give to you. It's a blessing that we want to pray over you. And... I know you're kind of nervous up here right now, and you're excited about family being here and everything. Uh, But for about the next 70 seconds, I want you to pray with me as I pray this blessing over you. Let's all pray together. Father God, we recognize that you are the creator of all the earth. You're the creator of each one of us. And Father, over these seniors today, I pray that this blessing over them. That they would walk in your wisdom and grace, that you would provide them with spiritual discernment in all things, that they'll be wise leaders and influencers in this generation, not conformed to the world, Father, but transformed by your power and the power of your son in Jesus Christ. Equip them with all that they need to make a difference for your purposes and help them to be salt and light in a world that is filled with darkness. And finally, we ask for your power to help them walk in honesty and integrity and that they would seek to bring honor to you throughout their whole life. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for these seniors. Thank you for the next steps that they'll walk when uh, the world's wide open to them. I just pray that they are committed totally to you, Father, and they won't be distracted by the things that Satan will throw at them. And the church said, Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you, brother. All right, give it up for our seniors. (laughs) So one of our seniors is going to do our uh, scripture reading today. This is uh, Alan Barnard. Besides having an awesome name, uh, Alan, which you know in Greek means wonder boy. Did you know that? It's true. No, it's actually not true, but it, w- it would be great if it was true since we're both Alans. Uh, this young man has has two jobs, has received a full scholarship to Louisiana Tech University, and that tells me that he knows what it is to work. And so I just want to challenge you to work for the kingdom of God. All right,
1: I'll be reading Colossians 3, 1 through 3, and... I promised I was going to bring my Bible, but it was raining. I didn't want to get wet. Okay. Uh, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, for Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden from Christ with or with Christ in God.
0: Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. You can tell it's the next generation. They don't worry about getting the phone wet, but not the Bible, right? That's all right. I like that. That's good. Uh, Tommy's lesson last week was fantastic. Uh, I really love that. I love the uh, believing hope, living hope, and sharing hope. Something so simple and yet so profound, right, and how we live for him every single day. So I, uh, I had to be honest right off the bat. I had a real wrestling match with the Holy Spirit Uh, and the Word of God this past week and how to bridge together two very important things and events that we're doing here this morning. One of those, of course, we just experienced by sending our next wave uh, of our soldiers out into this chaotic culture that Tommy described beautifully last week. It's not like we're abandoning them, right? I mean, we're still going to be there and we're going to be cheering them on, but We all know, right, those of us with experience, that it's tough. It's tough to make your way. And as Cal said earlier, we know that the evil one is going to be working against them. And so that's super important that we do that today. But also we're appointing two new elders today to lead and protect our flock here, which is so important as well, both forward-looking in their scope. And so we wrestled the Holy Spirit now this week. About exactly what I should say in between these two things. And I found a, a common link to these two events that can really be boiled down to one single thought. And that is, is, th- is that there's death to me. That allows me to live to lead. If I can die to myself. I'll always have the capacity to lead. And some of you may say or have said in the past, well, you know, I just, you know, Al, I just don't really feel like that I'm a leader. Well, if that's the case, then maybe you haven't died yet. Because when you die to yourself, you now have the capacity to lead. To lead other people to Jesus, our first love, our Lord and Savior. You have that capacity. You have that ability to testify on what he's done in your own life or maybe your family's life or other people's. That's that's leadership, but it only happens when you die to yourself. You have the capacity to lead people out of terrible, destructive situations. Let's face it, people, you know, at work or people, you know, from wherever you travel and go, maybe some people in your own family. You see what addiction and other terrible things can do to destroy. And, you know, the way you know, the person that can change them. God told me one time that a leopard Can never change his spots. And I wish I'd had the wisdom to say then what I know now. Maybe that's true for leopards, but we're talking about people. And they can be changed completely because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we have the capacity to show them a better way because we know. You have the capacity to lead your family in love, in stability. And away from the evil one. Tommy was so right last week. It's the greatest destruction of our culture today is the destruction of the family, the nuclear family. You realize we have entire groups of people that have made it their goal to make sure we destroy the nuclear family forever. And with it, they will destroy our country and our culture. We have the capacity to show them a better way. People don't want to live like that. I don't care what people, marchers in the streets say. People don't want to live like that. There's no stability. There's no love. We know a better way. Today is the perfect illustration of what we've been talking about in the book of Acts. We sort of wrapped up that book and the Tommy gave us a great overview last week. And so in my wrestling this week, I realized that the illustration of what we're witnessing and being a part of today is exactly what happened. All over that first century landscape. We had Paul there being an eyewitness. In fact, he said he was testifying in Acts 20 and verse 24. When he was speaking to the Ephesian elders, Paul said, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. He realized in Damascus, now he had one thing he was supposed to do. And that was to be an eyewitness for Jesus Christ to all the world. And that would be his mission. And that's our mission, right? That's our task to testify. Unlike the first century, we didn't actually witness the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but we've been witnessing what the resurrection has done for 2000 years, including right here in our own culture. Correct. We've seen it. We've seen what that can do. Many of us have experienced what that can do firsthand. Not only did Paul say he would testify, but he was also trained young converts to go out and also live to lead. And all for their lives. And that's where you saw guys like Timothy and Titus. These, these young leaders that would carry the church forward past the first century. Paul knew it was his job. His and his team's job to raise these young leaders up. We read about Timothy in Acts chapter 16. And you know what I love about Timothy is he, he, was, he was sort of hybrid because he had Jewish mother but a Greek father. Well, we know from our study of Acts that that whole idea between the Jews and the Greeks, that was sort of the dividing line of the early church where here was going to be a young man who represented both groups. And so Paul saw that and he said, we've got to get this guy into the mix. And he did. He would say in Second Timothy, chapter one, and verse five to Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. Which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. Such an important thing for the young people that were standing on this stage. The faith of a grandparent. The faith of a parent. They prepare you, but it has to then shift to being your faith, right? Because you have to walk that, just you and the Almighty, and face down that evil one. We have to die to self. For this reason, Paul said, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. I love that. Which is in you through the laying on of my hands. The Holy Spirit, I want you to fan that flame and you get out there and do exactly what He's called you to do. We have that capacity. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Not empowered by ourselves. But empowered by the Holy Spirit. Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Do not be ashamed. What a challenge. Finally, of course, Paul was also appointing and committing to the Lord elders to lead, teach, teach. And protect the church. He told that same group of elders in Ephesus, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. To make sure that the people of God are going forward by the word of God and being led by the Holy Spirit. That he would appoint shepherds over the flock. And the role of Paul and Barnabas and all those early evangelists was to go into those cities and do just that, which is what we're going to do here this morning. I think why I was so touched and moved this week was because I've been here a long time. I was 10 years old, 46 years ago, when our little broken family came to West Monroe without our dad, unclear about our future. And this is where God put us. We were helped. We were loved. We were strengthened. And it was here where I really found my first love, Jesus Christ. I recognized that he had sustained me through a pretty rough childhood. He had been there. He had protected my mom. And then, almost miraculously, he had touched my dad. And our family found peace here. With this body. What a grand thing to be in love with Jesus, to be a part of a great community, and to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. But then something happened to me. It was somewhere around 13 or 14. I was engaged, I was involved. But sin sprang to life and deceived me. And through the commandment, the comparison to all that's good, It put me to death. It was the worst kind of existence because it looked like I was good. But inside I was rotten. And so I turned my back on my first love because of sin. I decided that I would rather follow the ways of the evil one and just fake a decent life. I was a double secret agent right here in our church. I wasn't the first, and I probably won't be the last. I decided at some point to become like the youngest son in Luke 15 and leave as a prodigal. A lot of people, of course, are praying for me. Oh, Lord, bring him back. I'm sure mom and dad were wrecked to think that their son had gone away, not with a relationship with Christ or them the greatest regret I ever had to turn my back on my first love and as fate would have it I would meet my second love during this period of time she needed a guide she needed a someone to show her a better way instead I was an instrument of the evil one and I corrupted the woman who I now adore I have borne many stripes And many marks for those two really bad decisions. Turn my back on my first love and my second. My life was going nowhere. I was involved in terrible things. And then one day, like that kid in Luke 15, I came to my senses. I realized that why would I eat in a pig pen when there was a banquet? If only they would take me back. And they did. First my family. Then my Lord. Faithful and true. Then my second love. She was dating some guy. I called her up and I said, you know, <clears throat> I'm back and I think we had something special. Too late. I'm already dating this guy. We're going to get married. You want to go out Friday? Yep. poor guy never had a chance really (laughs) and then I introduced her to my first love we bore many stripes for bad decisions but today we serve Christ together as a team as one of your shepherds this church means a lot to me and that's why this Sunday means so much to me You young people that stood up on this stage, you don't know how much that inspires me every year. Because you're just here. And you're not walking away. But you're going forth. And so you live it. You live hope as you go forth. You inspire all of us we are here to cheer you on. That's the power of why we're here today. Mike, would you come up? But I didn't do it alone. I was about 22 when we made our way back to WFR. And our youth guy at that time was a young redhead. Well, that's been in the past. (laughs) Named Mike Kellett. And Mike was working with our kids, but you know what? He instantly noticed in a 22-year-old that was now married and had a couple of small children that there was potential to do the work of God. And so Mike pulled me in. He let me tell my story of what the devil had done, but now what God had done. And so I worked with him at camp, and he took me on trips. And I didn't realize that at the time we didn't have, like, it set up or anything, but he was mentoring me. In my early walk. And as God would have it, Mike, here we are all these years later, getting to do ministry together. Mm.
2: Truly a blessing. Uh, you know, you never, you like to think you can plan your life out and all those things, but most of everything we've done together uh, for the kingdom is nothing that we planned. <laughs> that's right. We just found where God was working and joined in. And that's been a blessing as we uh, have have had such an honor. to to serve this church. That's a great honor, a great privilege.
0: This week, Mike and I had a chance to look back and we realized that, and if if all the elders could start making their way and your wives come forward, um, all of our current eldership that we have here at WFR except for Randy and and Dad, we were here as evangelists to appoint them uh, to be our shepherds. What a humbling honor for Mike and I both to realize that And today, to have an opportunity to add uh, to our number, which is so important. If uh, As these guys are coming up at the Williams, Mike Williams and family, and also the Barkers, Tommy Barker and family, if you guys could come forward as well. Come right here in the middle. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot about the processes they did other than they just, uh, they were just, they appointed elders uh, all over these cities that they were going and planting churches in. Come on up here, guys. And um, so Mike and I kind of have a way of doing that. And um, so we want to continue that tradition today. Welcome, come on up. So Mike's going to begin with a charge to these two new elders and their families.
2: We, as uh, evangelists, charge you, First Peter five two through four, be shepherd of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must because you're willing as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away.
0: So Tom, it might before our Lord and Savior and our church, are you and your family willing to accept the role of elder for this body of believers, and are you willing to care for, protect, and help lead this church? So we also have a charge for you, church, because not just them. Because we have to say whether we're going to follow these guys or not. So Mike's got a charge for you as well.
2: Would the church stand, please?
0: All of you at home, live stream, if you'll stand with us too, Fellowship Center. Yes. Everybody.
2: Where evangelists charge you? Hebrews 13:7. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of the way of life and imitate their faith. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that will be of no advantage to you.
0: So we charge you to submit your lives to the leadership of these men that God has appointed to protect, care, and teach all of us. If you are willing to accept this charge, would you say amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, these guys were just like every other elder and their families. They said, we're not worthy. And we're not. But Jesus Christ has called us to serve, to protect, to teach, and to help us get to heaven. That's our role as your leaders. And we're not like, as Jesus said, the Gentiles to lord it over anyone. We're on our knees for Jesus to serve you. And so please pray for these guys, their families, and this new walk, and all of us together as shepherds, that we will fulfill the great commission of the gospel. We will die to self to lead. Mike, would you have a prayer for these guys?
2: Let's pray. Father in heaven, we uh, first of all thank you for the gospel, the good news of grace through Jesus that uh, we stand as broken humans yet saved and a part of a royal priesthood because of the cross. I thank you for these two men and their families as you have Use them and you continue to use them uh, to impact the lives of other people. Father, I have uh, known both these men for a long time. I remember them as very, very young men and have watched them in their journey. It's been an honor, Father, to watch how you have grown them and their families. And so we ask you, Father, for a blessing upon them as they today are ordained as elders in this church as servants and as leaders. And, Father, this is actions that they've already been involved in and in helping so many people. Today we recognize that. We give you glory, God, and we'll present them to you and to this church and ask your care. In Jesus' sweet name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. How about a little hand clap to the Lord Almighty. blessing you know one of the reasons why we wanted to not only have the elders but our wives and families here is because uh, you can't shepherd uh, in a vacuum without having a family and we see all those character and qualities of elders that we read about in the scripture and family is a part of that and I know Miley says is not only a great sounding board but part of my conscience to help me be the man that I'm supposed to be and to remember that I'm a servant who has died to myself, and I only live now in Christ. Mike was telling me yesterday, we had quite the scramble with the staff trying to get some of our chairs. Some people are in the new chairs, for those of you watching from home, but some have just had to pull some together. So Mike came in early, and here was Tommy and Mike, and they said, hey, come help me grab these chairs. And so they started putting out chairs. What a welcome to servanthood. That's what we do. Whatever it takes to lead people. I want to conclude today with this. Paul told the Ephesian elders, remember we started at the beginning, if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me. At the end of his life, a few years later, he was writing a letter to Timothy. And here's what he said at the very end. I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Not long after that, he would stretch out his neck. and Some Roman took a sharp sword and severed it from his body. And he pretty much knew what was coming. And he saw that as the completion of his task on this earth. That's what leadership looks like when you've died to yourself and you're willing to lead. And it still is true for us today. So I just want to challenge you because anytime we're together, we should always reflect and look at our own lives. Have you died to yourself? Have you put that old body down just like I did back when I was 18 and rose for someone new that would serve God for the rest of their lives? If you've never obeyed that gospel message, if you've never embraced who Christ is and submitted yourself to his will. Man, you can't believe what's in store for you. And so we want to give you that opportunity this morning. Anytime we're together. But sometimes we just have to realize that the old man tries to come back or the old woman tries to come back from time to time. We've got to have a little refresher that we put that person to death. We don't want to live this way. We don't want to think this way. It's called repentance. And this church loves sinners. If they didn't, we wouldn't have these leaders up here on the stage. I made it my life's goal when I had the opportunity to be here at this church after being a prodigal that came home, that I wanted every time we were together to feel like an opportunity for someone to come home to Christ. That should always be in our DNA, and it is. So if someone here has struggled, has turned away, or in the process of turning away, today's a day to come back. Don't stay on that path. I promise you it is a destructive one that will take everything you care about. Die to self. Live to lead. If you have a knee, why don't you come while we stand and while we sing.